0: Hi, I'm Susan, and this is Diane, and this is When Autumn Comes. Look, life sometimes just looks different than we thought it would. This is a podcast for mamas and for people who love them, whose lives were flipped upside down as a doctor looked into our eyes and explained our child's prognosis, or for the mamas who get very little sleep as they face symptoms and behaviors that just aren't typical for other children. This is a place where we can take on this journey together because we know that this can be a sad, lonely, misunderstood path. But we also know that as colder temperatures and darker days begin to appear, so do the golden leaves and beautiful sunsets of autumn. We know that life comes in seasons. We know that in our world, 24 hours can hold so much change that it feels like four seasons in one day. We are here to let you share your story, let you laugh and let you cry, Let you learn and let you grow together with other mothers when autumn comes. Did you know that this week is Feeding Tube Awareness Week? Apparently so. It's a thing, guys. It's a thing. Today, we have a guest hostess named Danielle. She and I are talking about our tube fed children. You'll hear things in this episode like G-tube, N-G-tube. I think she uses the phrase bolus feed. I talk about a feeding pump. All these things that are natural lingo for us. I know we could have gone into detail about what all of those things are, but it would have been a pretty boring episode, let's be real. So today we really just kind of dug into how it feels to be a mom with children who don't eat traditionally. We talk to you as if you are a mom who is about to get a tube for one of your children. We talk about myths, we talk about the first time we pulled our kids' feeding tube out and how traumatic it was. We also talk about how we can change feeding tubes in the middle of the night, in the dark, and how we often feed the beds. As all of our other When Autumn Comes episodes, we really want to teach the people around us about our community. If you are part of this community, We really want you to not feel alone. So if you are a mom, a family member, or a caregiver, or you yourself are about to get a feeding tube, listen up, welcome to the club, and everything you're feeling is completely normal. Well this week is a very special week. I have a special co-hostess with me today, Danielle. She is here because she is a fellow tube mom and it is Feeding Tube Awareness Week. So welcome, Danielle. We're excited to share our experiences with feeding tubes. And we know that we know that feeding is an important part of all of our lives. Like, and I don't mean a minimum like that sounds silly. Like it's important that we all eat. But there's something social about sitting down to a dinner table and eating. That's mm-hmm. just how a lot of people interact. I think there's more to feeding to awareness than just the logistics of what types of tubes there are and what tubes do what and feeding bags and pumps and syringes and all of that <laughs> nonsense. We're here today to just kind of talk about our lives as tube moms and what it's looked like. Danielle, you have one daughter who's
1: tube fed. Yes. How did you feel when you realized that she was going to be a tube child? It was scary. Honestly, I had never even seen a feeding tube before in my life before my daughter had one when we found out that they were going to be placing a feeding tube there was a nurse standing at our bedside that was googling things on her cell phone oh to gosh. show us what different pictures seriously she was like this is what this kind of tube looks like like if they put in this kind of tube it looks like this surgery never did that for oh my us. gosh so we were like we don't know what's happening right now so it was it was scary and for time i I was like, I don't know how to feed my kid. And it's it's a scary feeling too. Like you can't provide for your kid. I
0: actually was terrified also. And I told them like, I want to see a feeding tube before it comes out in her. And for us, the feeding tube was the first piece of equipment that was in her body that showed that she was disabled. It was the first physical sign of disability for me. And I didn't want to face that. Lorelei had her feeding tube placed at 10 weeks or 9 weeks old, I believe. That was never what I expected feeding. Like, you know, I was going to breastfeed my child and I was going to do all the things and I was actually a food blogger before I had her. So like, I had visions of making kid meals and I had purchased all these things to make food for my kid and none of that happened. <laughs> Once we got a diagnosis and life changed, none of that happened. But for us, not only did I lose what I knew, but I lost, you know, I I had something coming out of my daughter's belly and I was scared. I feel like though, when someone is being told your child needs a feeding tube, they should come with a Mickey button or a mini or whatever the device is and let someone hold it in their hands. Bring a baby doll with a feeding tube in its belly. It is terrifying, but it's not that scary once you get it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They had shown us pictures of the mini one and the Mickey one, and then she ended up having a peg tube when she came out. And we're like, hold on, this didn't look like any of the pictures we've seen. And I was scared to touch it. I was like, all right, I would do her bath and let the nurses clean underneath the tube because I was scared. I I was scared I was going to mess it up if I even touched it on her. Why? I'll probably edit this out, but why did they go peg instead Mm -hmm. of button? I have no idea. Literally no idea. All I knew is they were going to put the tube in. I don't know if it's because she had so many abdominal surgery, like so much go on in her abdomen because she had the LADS procedures. Mm-hmm. She had the jejunum suture to her stomach. She had an appendectomy like all during that first surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as she went in for her first scope, we're like, hey, by the way, can you swap this out for a button? And they did. They're like, okay. yeah, that's fine. And I was like, well, why didn't you do that in the first place?
0: The buttons are so much less obtrusive, especially for kids who are active. We leave the attachment on Benji's button because my kids have Mm -hmm. mitochondrial disease and low energy. And when they fall asleep, it's just easier to leave the attachment on and just plug him in. But I know a lot of my friends whose children are very active. They just take everything off, close the button up, put it under the shirt, and you wouldn't
1: even know there was a feeding tube. Ever since we discovered grip locks, we do leave her extension on because otherwise before we had to take it off all the time. Um, But we've actually had to start using grip locks because my three and a half year old thinks she is hilarious and she will take her own extension off and hide it. So we go through extensions like crazy because she thinks it's hilarious to hide it. We can never find where she hides them. What is a grip Um, lock? How do I not know what this is? Oh, my gosh. Aubrey introduced me to them. They're amazing. They're like the little stickers. They go on their abdomen and you can like open it up and like stick the tube through there mm-hmm. and it just holds it in place. So if they pull on it, it pulls on the grip lock and not on the button. Oh my god! And gosh. it also makes it so like, it's amazing. And so then you only have like a little dangly part of the tube. So Lorelai was the child that, you know,
0: nonverbal and her favorite thing was having people come to her. So she discovered that if she pulled her feeding tube out and twirled it around her head, so everybody could see that she pulled it out, people would come running. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know, like the things you learn as a as a tubey mom, but the things that our children learn
1: too. My kid won't pull her tube out, but she has on multiple occasions before. She'll open her the end of her extension before we were using these, and she'll fling it around because she likes seeing all the stomach juices <laughs> fly out. She thinks it's hilarious. Them. So she spins it around like a, what are those things you like blow in? The pinwheels. And she'll spin it around like that um, and just watch all of her stomach acids oh fly everywhere. She thinks it's hilarious. She thinks it's great.
0: These are the things that if I had told you about this the first time we sat down and I was like, <laughs> it'll be okay. She's going to twirl around her attachment and swing her stomach acids everywhere. You'd be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> One of the tricks that I wanted to share that has been a game changer for us, my children can't walk and they can't wear the backpack. So we use a fruit basket for their feeding pump. You know, the banana hanging basket, Mm -hmm. the pump itself sits in the basket part and then the feed bag hangs where the bananas hang. And it's great because I don't have this big bulky pole to carry around with me or wheel around. And I'll tell you, the Lorelei's tube got pulled out was because the dog knocked the feeding pole down and it went pop. I was terrified. So the basket has been a game changer, but that brings me to my next question for you is, how did you feel the first time her tube got pulled out?
1: I was, I think I might've even called you. I was terrified. I think you did call me. (laughs) I think I did call you. You had sent me a video of you changing Lorelei's button. And oddly enough, the first time her tube ever got pulled out, we were at a rest stop in Ohio, like two hours away from the children's hospital, still driving to Cincinnati Children's Hospital. In the middle of nowhere, Ohio, there was no hospitals or anything around us. And I'm like, I have to do this. Like I have to put this back in and I don't know what I'm doing, but we did, we got it back in and it was so scary. It was one of those times. And this is anyone's had a tube. I'm sure they've done this before. You go to pull your kid out of the car seat, yep. and the button gets stuck underneath one of the things of the car seat and mm-hmm. comes right out. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those things. It wasn't like I could take her to the hospital to have it put back in. It was like, this has to get done yeah. and you have to do it. As, a, as you're speaking, it's funny because the first time hers
0: got pulled out was also in the car seat. We were in Pennsylvania. We had just driven seven hours to get there and I pull her out and she's a bitty baby. It was the first time we were going to CHOP. We were staying 45 minutes from CHOP though. And so we ended up, her G-tube was beyond the three month point, but not super beyond. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the beginning they say, if it comes out within the first three months, you need to go into the hospital to have it. Replaced because it's still fresh and it could tear the stomach sewing and all this other stuff. Well, we are such rule followers in our house. We're like, oh my gosh, we have to go to the hospital. I should have had a Susan sitting on my shoulder who said, no, just lick it and stick it, put it back in there because it closed up so quickly because it was a newer hole. Mm-hmm. And the hospital we went to didn't know what to do. It was awful. Mm-hmm. They didn't know. So they had to put a catheter in to hold the hole open yep. and then slowly work its way back to the G-tube size that she she was. Uh, the things we learn, right?
1: Now, now <laughs> we can change them in our sleep. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was funny, that transition of like in the beginning, even the first couple of times, I was like, oh, my God, like, how am I going to do this? And I tell you, when she was on the IV pole, I ripped her tube out at least once oh, a week. Yeah. I would just get it stuck underneath there. Um, I hated the IV pole. Mm-hmm. By the end of it, or I mean, even now it came out, I don't know, her and her sister were roughhousing, doing something. And it's one of those things where you're like, really, again? And then, like I just go grab the kit and I'm like, all right, pop back in. And I'm like, I can't <laughs> imagine me three years ago being like, oh, okay, all right, I can, do, I can do this. And now I'm like... All right, yeah, here you go. Like my kid doesn't even cry anymore when you like push it back in her. Remind me, was it you that called me last
0: month? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I do have, I feel like a, a feeding tube
1: <laughs> sensei some days. <laughs> and I have all my students call me. It was funny because he called you and you literally answered the phone. And the first thing you said was, What's wrong? Because <laughs> I, I always text, I never call. And so me calling when something was wrong, and of course it was. I mean, nothing was really wrong. No. Um, I just had to convince you to rip your kid's feeding tube out. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It had never gotten stuck before. I didn't know what to do. It, the
0: th- again, the things we learned. So <laughs> we are all over the place with this episode, but a couple of things, again, we didn't really want to get into like the, I don't know. There's so many resources on the different types of feeding tubes and every feeding tube has a different purpose and We can't sit here and tell you what would be best for your kid because it depends on the diagnosis and their condition and everything else. So let's just assume that you have been told your child is either failure to thrive or doesn't have the ability to swallow, and you are getting a feeding tube. We have a list of myths that we found on the internet from feedingtubeawareness.org, and we were going to kind of go over some of these myths together and give our opinion from our I don't know, experience with feeding tubes. So the first one that, I don't know about you, Danielle, but I heard this a lot, especially in the beginning, is you didn't try hard enough to make your child eat. Did people ever say this to you or some
1: variation of it? Yes and no. The people that understood, my kid didn't have an esophagus, so I didn't have a chance to get my kid to eat. But so many people after we were repaired, um, after she actually had what we call her colophagus now, the colon in place of her esophagus, so many people would say something along the lines of, if you just stop feeding her, she'll eat. I'm like, well, no, Mm -hmm. that's not quite how it works because my kid wasn't allowed to take anything by mouth until she was two years old. But that was something I know a lot of other people have heard too, like just stop feeding them. They will eat if they're hungry. It, and it's, no, they won't. No. And
0: it's not that, I mean, don't do that. Do not stop feeding your children.
1: Please don't do that.
0: And don't think that you didn't try hard enough either. Because if a doctor is saying it's time to consider a feeding tube or it's time to get a feeding tube, we actually put a question poll thing out in the When Autumn Comes Society. And several of the moms answered saying, get the feeding tube. It will save your kid's life. It will make life easier. It's a game changer for so many people. Which brings me to one of the other myths that a feeding tube is forever. It's not. In the case of my children, it is because it's saving their lives. I mean, Lorelei, you know. Um, sorry, if you don't have dark humor, you don't have if you don't have dark humor. You don't have any humor. Um, I'm gonna have to edit that one out. Um,
1: Saved her life for the portion it's, that we were But for we real
0: when she when she had the flu and she was dying from the flu <laughs> she actually gained weight because she was eating real nutritious food through her G tube the entire time when the rest of the people fighting the flu were throwing up and not able to eat because and she was intubated she was getting more than just TPN and what we called hummingbird juice she was getting nourished through her tube So it did save her life. I'm just snarky. (laughs) When your kid dies, you can make all sorts of bad comments. I have to edit that out. Okay, so so the feeding tube is not necessarily forever. Will your daughter always have? Not necessarily.
1: Um, So it depends. In the near future, it doesn't look like we would get rid of it anytime soon. At some point in her life, she should be able to come off of the tube. It's just not anytime in the next couple of years, but at some point she should be able to get rid of her feeding too. So it is not forever for her. And
0: right now, I don't know about you, but it also helps giving meds. I don't know what three-year-old could take the amount of meds that my children have to take by mouth. Like you just pop it in the tube.
1: I have said this many times before that I think all kids should come with a med port. I only fight one of my two kids to take their meds, and it is not my tube-fed kid. Same thing with my kids, that I only fight one of them to eat all all her fruits and vegetables, and it is not my tube-fed kid. (laughs) So it's so nice having – I mean, if you have to feed them when they're asleep, like babies you have to wake up and feed, my kid I can – and she doesn't even have to know she's being fed. We plug Benji in at
0: 9 p.m. and it feeds him overnight until 7 a.m. So he's getting half of his daily caloric intake overnight while he's sleeping, helping him recharge so that he can get through the next day. It's it's amazing. I wish I could eat and sleep at the same time. <laughs> it's their own superpower. It is. So in your case, especially this next myth really hits home. You can't eat by mouth
1: when you have a feeding tube. True or false? Absolutely false. My kid currently gets one fourth of her daily caloric intake by mouth. Um, it's something we've been working on a long time because when you go two years without being able to eat, it takes some learning and some muscle building because you don't realize how many muscles you mm-hmm. use when you do mm-hmm. eat. But you can absolutely, I know kids that just use it for supplements or just use it for if you get sick and you just need some nutrition or some fluids. Yeah. So they can absolutely still take things by mouth, but you're not forcing them and you're not stressed about getting the calories into your kid that you yep. need to, yep. like you would be otherwise. And I know
0: families in the mitochondrial disease community whose children, when they get head colds, have a lot of medical complications because the energy goes from, you know, doing normal body functions like, taking all your organs and keeping them going to fighting this virus and a lot of their stomachs shut down very quickly. But having a feeding tube, you can run fluids. You can run all of this stuff Mm -hmm. to keep their system. Even slowly you can run it. So pop some Pedialyte in there when they get sick, keep them hydrated. Again, I think you are absolutely correct that all of us should pretty much have feeding tubes.
1: Honestly, that's kept us home when she's gotten sick quite a few. Yeah. The fact that even if she can't eat, because you know, so many kids stop Mm -hmm. eating and drinking when they get sick. I can run fluids at a very low rate so my kid doesn't get dehydrated and I don't have to take her to the ER and get her sicker by exposing her to more germs Mm -hmm. or get admitted for fluids when I have a feeding tube at home. Yeah. Next myth. True or
0: false. You can only use formula for feeding tubes.
1: Absolutely false. Mm -hmm. I think we both pumped, didn't we? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. That damn breast pump and then feeding pump. And I always joked that the family that pumps together stays together. I had pictures of Benji on his (laughs) pump, Lorelai on her pump, and then me attached to a breast pump. Oh, it was awful. But you, I hate to say it like this, but you can put anything in a feeding tube. Absolutely. There's a mom, Sarah, who's probably listening right now. And I remember early in our journey, she made the comment that I kept telling her I was going to make a T-shirt saying it. If we're eating tacos, he's eating tacos. She would put their family dinner into a blender, blend it up and feed it to her toby. And if your child doesn't have to have a certain diet or set calorie intake, you can put tacos in their tube or McDonald's or Chick-fil-A. <laughs> tacos in tube. Mm, I don't really know how the
1: Chick-fil-A would It'd probably get kind of chunky. <laughs> put enough sauce in there. It'll be all right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Although my children eat nourish and Real Food Blends are the two pouches. So we don't use formula. We used formula as a supplement when they were babies because I didn't make enough milk. So we had the breast milk plus formula to help. We transitioned them to the Real Food Pouches though. So we have the Real Food Blends and the Nourish. And I swear Benji's diet is better than anybody else in our family because that pouch has all the vegetables and nutrients he needs. And then uh, the Real Food Blends... We like, but that's just chunky and smelly,
1: <laughs> especially the salmon one. We
0: stopped giving salmon because it smelled so bad when Lorelei'd
1: throw it up. Honestly, I think we still use that one so much because Aurora likes to eat it. She'll just take a syringe of real food blends, especially the salmon, and she'll just sit there and suck it and eat the real food blends out of the syringe. You guys, she loves it. I can't see my face right now, but
0: <laughs> 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 oh, I, yeah. Good for her. <laughs> I will say I have tasted all of them that I I figure if it's going in their stomach, I need to taste what my kids are eating. For me, they all pretty much taste like bland gravy.
1: Have you tasted any? So I'm a vegetarian. So I've tried the nourish and then I've tried the quinoa kale and hemp and the eggs, apples and oats. And I didn't enjoy any of them. The other ones I've smelt, obviously, mm. but I've never personally tasted. I mean, I didn't say I enjoyed uh, my them. My other daughter has. She doesn't like them. She doesn't? know, she, my older daughter, she wanted to try them one time. She took one lick and made the most disgusting face Ugh. and said it was gross. So um, not six-year-old approved, but <laughs> great food for the two be.
0: So this next myth is for you because my children were not – are not very active. They cannot – walk, run, play. A feeding tube will limit your child's physical activity. True or false?
1: Absolutely false. So after it heals, your kid can go in the water. My kid has been in the ocean. She has been in a pool. She has a trampoline. She loves to run and jump on her trampoline. She was out playing outside all the time. She goes to preschool five days a week. And it does not limit her in any way, shape, or form on what she can do physically.
0: Yep. And I was often asked, because my children lay, does it hurt them when they're laying on it? And I know they sell like belts and things for the children that it does irritate. But I think because both of mine had their feeding tubes placed as babies, it's just part of their body. And neither of them have ever acted annoyed or in pain from their G-tube when they're laying on their
1: stomach. I mean, Aurora got hers at three days old, so it's always been a part of her. So even when you're doing that tummy time as a baby, it never
0: seemed to bother her at all. Again, the biggest thing that for me that kind of caused any sort of irritation was the car seat because it buckled right near where the button was,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: especially as babies. Not as much when they're bigger because they're bigger and they fill the car seat. But when when they were tiny, the G-tube was like half the kid's belly. (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty accurate Mm -hmm. okay when you envisioned having a feeding tube child did you think you could do it yourself or did you think you had to have a nurse or what was your thought process with
1: this um I think in the beginning I probably thought I needed a nurse because I didn't think I could do it I was really overwhelmed by the feeding tube when we first got it but now, I mean, we haven't had a nurse since COVID started. We got rid of our nursing because we didn't want anybody else coming in our house. And we have done just fine mm-hmm. for the last, it's been like two and a half, almost three. I don't know how many years now. Yeah, Two years. So you do not need a nurse. And we bolus feed. So we feed syringe feed around the clock. Mm-hmm. And you don't need a nurse here to do that. Yep.
0: Nope. And you don't need a nurse to replace it. I think once you learn it. Once you get past that initial, I hate to say, pull the Band-Aid off or pull the tube out and just try it once it's safe. <laughs> but once you get past that, you realize that the beauty of this thing is that it is saving your child's life. And it's not permanent. And ironically for us in my house, so I fought getting a feeding tube for Lorelei. I was like, no, she's going to like send us home from the NICU with an NG down her nose through her esophagus because she's not going to need it she's not going to need a g tube we're going to be different my kid will learn to eat she will be okay <laughs> yes see if you had met susan we'll
1: be looking back on yeah. now, right. <laughs>
0: and then ironically well the hospital that we went to the policy was you don't get to leave with an ng mm-hmm. like they I had to eat a certain amount of bottles a day or she had to get a G-tube. She ended up getting the G-tube. I was upset. We did feeding therapy like crazy. She didn't get any better at feeding because, again, with mitochondrial disease, you have low muscle tone and you have to learn to swallow. And it's not as natural as the rest of us think it is. So fast forward, I don't know, three and a half years I am sitting in the NICU with Benji and I'm like, so when's he getting his feeding tube? And they're like, well, he's taking a little bit of food by mouth. And I was like, oh no, we're not leaving here without a feeding tube. I love our
1: G-tube.
0: <laughs> well, it's going to be a little hard for us to find a surgeon who's going to place a G-tube for a kid who's potentially taking stuff by mouth. I was like, no, 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 no. The kid is leaving here with a feeding tube. Like get the kid a G-tube and we can go home. Because of his underlying disease, because it wasn't my first rodeo, you know, we know this is a progressive disease. So let's place it ahead of time. I just thought it was so ironic to be sitting across from the head of the NICU and being like, so when are we going to get the (laughs) G-tube? And him being like, and ironically, too, (laughs) he was the one, he was the one who said, Lorelai is not leaving here without a feeding tube. He gave me some tough love. <laughs> was he really? Oh, yes. He gave me some tough love and said, Lorelai is not leaving here without a feeding tube. And then he didn't remember this. But when I was sitting there with Benji, I was like, do you remember when you said that about Lorelai? Well, Benji is not leaving here without a feeding tube.
1: I got something for you. Yeah, I don't too. know if you remember this. The first time, my first a mom meeting I went to, you were there. I think Sarah was there and someone else was there. And I had told you guys about my fear of the feeding tube and if my kid would ever be able to take food by mouth. And we got into this whole long discussion about what your kids were currently licking at the time. Oh, yes. And you went on about how Lorelai was loving licking butter. Um, Ranch dressing. And that was just one of my Mm -hmm. first memories Mm -hmm. about the things that she was taking by mouth was, yeah, we celebrate licking. and Yeah. As soon as we started feeding therapy, we're like, oh, my God, she licked it. Like, she put something (laughs) in her mouth. Like, So you celebrate things differently than, like, a typical kid
0: would. And I think, too, in this journey, you get to a point where, for us, I got to the point where I realized my kids are never going to eat Thanksgiving dinner with me. But if they want to lick the gravy, then that's good enough for me. When Lorelai was – she was still a baby, We went to a MITO conference and they sat everybody at these large banquet tables with other families. And this one family, it was a husband and wife and their son must've been like eight years old. And he was sitting there playing on his little gaming device or whatever. And everybody's eating and he had a plate in front of him with three pieces of bread on it. And the mom must've seen me watching and I'm wearing Lorelai. I have the feeding pump hanging off of me and she was like, oh, he has one too. And I was like, oh, well, he has a plate of bread in front of him. And she's like, oh, he just licks that. I was like, okay. <laughs> it was one of those moments where it was so normal. You know, it it was mm-hmm. so okay for her to be like, yeah, like when we all sit down for dinner, he just has his couple pieces of bread and that's what he licks. It was one of those moments that stand out to me, probably like my kid licking butter for you, where it's okay. And you see this family so many years ahead of you, who's fine with their child licking bread at dinner. And that's just what he does. Yeah. So if you are a mom who is about to become a medical mom, um, or if you are a medical mom who is about to go into the journey of feeding tubes, I would like to say, don't be scared but you're going to be scared it's natural you're going to be scared you're going to be terrified when you pull it out the first time you will cry you will tremble and it will be okay i wish i had some like great words of wisdom let me look real quick and see if anybody in our group had any other tips let's see um everybody says do it it's saving your child's life if the doctor says you should have one just just do it do not feel ashamed Do not feel less than because he or she needs this. Oh, somebody said, don't worry. You can feed more than just formula. Advice to a new family, G-tube will come out at the most unexpected time. So expect it and never feel silly going to the ER when the G-tube just won't go back in correctly at midnight.
1: You're going to feed the bed. Describe what feeding the bed is. So my kid doesn't get overnight feeds anymore. She used to. It's you hook them up to the pump at night and one of two things will happen. Either the med port will come open on the extension or the bag will come out of the extension and that entire. Or
0: the child will pull their feeding tube out because they're Lorelei
1: and they want you to come cuddle with them. um, Mine has pulled her extension out. She has never knock on wood pulled out her own G tube. That entire 400 some milliliters or eight ounces of food that you're running goes all over them all over the bed, all of the blankets. Make sure you have a mattress protector on. You know what we did? Was um, I think you said you like double sheet, don't you? Yeah. We put mattress protector,
0: sheet, mattress protector, sheet, so that in the middle of the night, if somebody pukes, pees, poops, or feeds the bed with their feeding tube, you just take a layer off and you start all over at 1 a.m.
1: We've had it happen all the time, too, because we syringe feed. We don't use the feeding bags. And I have sprayed food all over my ceiling. Oh, yes. On more than one occasion, (laughs) I have stains on my ceilings in, like, three different rooms of my Mm -hmm. house. Um, So it'll happen, Mm -hmm. and it'll be okay. New syringes are, like, my love language. (laughs) We try to use them for as long as we can. But sometimes you just need that nice euphoria of opening a new syringe.
0: Let's quickly transition since this is feeding tube awareness. And yes, we're talking to the families that are about to get tubes, but I want to quickly tell a story about a time that Lorelai was a baby and we were in a restaurant and she was in her stroller. The feeding bag was hanging. So it was, you know, hanging from the little sun visor thing on her, her stroller. And this other family sat there and watched us and laughed and pointed And that was one of the first times that I had experienced that, that the parents were allowing their eight-year-old to like laugh at my baby. I didn't realize until we were walking out that they were taking pictures of her too. And that like the friends that were with me were like, we're going back in. I was like, what are you going to do? Confiscate their phones? But at that point, I was just like, just let it go. Like, like Elsa says, just let it go. And after that, though, I wanted to kind of be prepared for the times when, you know, people will ask questions and people will kind of look differently, whether it's a G-tube or a trach or the helmet or any of this equipment, the AFOs on their feet. Oftentimes, our disabled children have equipment that help them survive and thrive. I I personally... I'm always okay with people asking questions. I think you have to Absolutely. be at the right place and the right time. I mean, you're not going to come up to me in the middle of her baptism and say, excuse me, I have a question. But if we're at a park and your child wants to ask, what is that? At that same lunch, my friend had her, her daughter, who I think was probably six years old at the time. And she, she looked at me and she goes, Miss Susan, I have a question. And I was like, oh, here we go. Um, She's like,
1: I know, I know. The
0: ones that can talk are really fun. She was like, so can I, I have a question about Lorelai's eating. Uh Uh-huh. And she got real serious. She goes, so does she have two belly buttons? And I was like, yes, yes, she absolutely does. So if your child is questioning, it is natural for people to ask questions. And, you know, I think most of us would agree that we are open to sharing because our children are eating. They're just eating differently.
1: We had not exactly the same thing, but, you know, my daughter had an NGN for over a year. Um, It ended up being about 18 months, but obviously the first six months she wasn't home. And so we had a lot of kids because I would have to take her with me to pick up my other daughter from school. And a lot of kids would point or look or talk to the moms. And most of the moms, I think, didn't want to, didn't know how to bring it up or didn't want to be like, oh my God, my kid's asking questions to you. But there was one, this only happened one time out of all the times the mom was like, hey, my kid has a question. Is it okay if they ask? And I was like, absolutely. What do you want to know? Because I think it's it's better to feed their curiosity and then they learn this mm-hmm. early. And it's, it's so much better. I would much rather you, if your kid is curious, come up and ask. We left the hospital one time um, after an appointment and there was another couple there that was pregnant. They just found out their baby was probably going to need an NG tube. And I was like, do you, this was obviously pre-COVID when I was okay with people getting close to my kid. They came up and they're like, can we, Can we look at it? And I was like, absolutely. Like, what do you want to see? What do you want to do? This is where I get her fun tapes from. Like, this is where I get this. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just need that exposure of seeing it from someone. So I'd much rather somebody ask the question than just stare or just turn their child away like something is wrong with my kid rather than just being curious about my kid. And I've often found
0: that little children think it's the coolest thing ever. Oh, yeah. It's a robot part or something. What I as an adult, I feel like it's the other adults that are, shh, don't talk about that. Shhh, we don't look at that. When I think really, if we had an open dialogue about it, I think it could help everybody understand. So that's why I was super excited to do this today. Just kind of have casual conversation of two moms who feed their kids non-traditionally. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on and just sharing your, your tube experiences. At the end of every episode, we often ask, what gives you hope? But since you're coming back for another episode, let's answer, what would give you hope? Now, looking back, what would you tell old Danielle? Like, I've got this. You can do this. What What would give old Danielle or any other mom who is about to get a feeding tube for their kid, what would give them
1: hope? The G-tube was one of the best things that we ever did for my kid, and it is the reason She is thriving and it is not going to be something that impairs her at all. And let them lick the butter. Let them lick
0: the butter. On that note. Let them lick butter. On that note. Well, (coughs) and ranch dressing. Benji's lick of choice is ranch dressing. And ranch dressing. dressing, Ooh. Yeah. Adds a little. Aurora's go-to is ketchup. Ooh, we should try ketchup ketchup in my house. Our Lorelai loved chipotle guacamole. We would roll into feeding therapy with the Chipotle guac and they would laugh at us. They're like, you are so extra. I was like, I know, I know. (laughs) So there you have it, guys. Welcome to Feeding Tube Awareness Week. I hope you learned a little something. If at the very least you learned that it's okay to panic when you pull your kid's feeding tube out because we all do it. One of the resources we used beside our own experience is www.feedingtubeawareness.org. They have a bunch of resources on there in case you are looking to learn more or if you are about to add a feeding tube to your family. I want to thank Danielle for being here and sharing her experiences with us. I also want to give a shout out whoop, whoop, to the When Autumn Come Society on Facebook. When I was preparing for this episode, I posted in there saying, hey mamas, tell me what you want other moms to know. Before their child gets a feeding tube. And you guys were so wonderful and encouraging to all of us. So thank you guys. If you are new here, my name is Suze. My regular co-hostess is Diane. She wasn't here this week, obviously. And we are When Autumn Comes. We really, really, really appreciate any likes, any thumbs up, all the gold stars, sharing this podcast so that other families can find it if you want to join the conversation hop into when autumn comes society on facebook and we're really cool people we let anybody and everybody in, not just moms all of you you're all welcome we'll see you there